Uh, well, good morning, folks. Uh, as, as you've heard now a few times, my name is David. Um, I'm a good friend of Rachel uh, and Mark's and have been for many years. Um, for those who are visiting, particularly uh, associated with their families, you're probably thinking, wasn't him last time when Joel was baptised? And the answer is yes. So this is, um, this is part two. You could, um, you could call it the Godfather part two, in fact. Um, there's a third movie, you know that. Just saying. <laughs> uh, we're on week two of a four-week series um, on preparing the ground, really, in advance of our Vision Sunday, um, which will take place in October, where we're crying out to God to say, well, where are you leading us? What are you doing in this next year? Let's follow that. Um, and that's what we'll hear uh, in a few weeks' time. So this is week two. Last week, we considered what it meant to connect with God. This week, we're going to talk about confess, and you get to look forward to two more C's um, in the following weeks. Now, it's not confess in the sense of, I've done something wrong, but confess in the sense of speaking out what is true, and in particular, speaking out what is true about God. Of course, you can see the similarity um, and why we use confess in those two ways. Our confession that Jesus is Lord, whatever the circumstance, wherever we find ourselves, Jesus is Lord. Whether we believe that or not, Jesus is still Lord. Whether the circumstance seems totally overwhelming, Jesus is Lord. So for us who are standing, as it were, in brilliant sunshine right now, Jesus is Lord. For those of us who feel like the storm is engulfing us and we may well drown, Jesus is Lord. So we're going to read a passage from the Bible and have a look at how that works, what it's saying to us. And as we do, it's not necessarily a passage that you would immediately think this is about confessing that. But it absolutely is. So as I read it, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you help us to see what you are saying here? So it's Philippians 4. I'm reading verses 4 to 9. The words will be on the screen, but if you want to follow it in your own Bible or on a device, please do. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or learned from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, one of the things I really love about this passage is the kind of baseline assumption 
The absolute bottom line assumption in this is that we're going to be anxious and we're going to be in need at some point. The passage sort of doesn't make sense to be written unless you first assume that. It's the kind of prerequisite to any of this stuff. Not that you'd want to be in a position of being anxious and needy, but it's marvelously realistic. It knows that that is where we find ourselves. That is absolutely our experience, right? If we were to do a survey here and say, put up your hand if you've never been anxious and never been in need. No one would move. I mean, if you really felt you wanted to put your hand up there, do speak to me afterwards. I would love to understand what kind of life you live that never has these things. Mine does. Actually, when we think about, you know, there'll be some in the room who pray lots. Some in the room who pray sometimes. There'll be those of us in the room who've prayed once or twice in life. Maybe there's people here who've never prayed. But if we were to survey all of that, we'd find the most common prayer to God would be one for help, probably. As a friend and I once noted, the shortest prayer you can ever pray is this one. Ah! Ben. Just the cry for help. One word, a scream for help. So often, that's our prayer. Well, receive the affirmation of this passage. Receive the affirmation of this passage. It's okay to go to God with your need. More than that, he'd love to see you do that. When you're anxious, when you're in need, tell him what you want. He's really up for that. He's really up for us asking for help. Now, the eagle-eyed among you will also note this passage says nothing about the answer. In fact, it says nothing at all about what the answer is. However, it does say that the peace of God, that mind-blowing, heart-stilling peace, is guaranteed. It says it will guard. The peace will guard our hearts and minds. As we come to God in need. Sometimes I wonder, looking at my own life, if that's actually what I really need. More than anything is the peace. You know, you go into work and you think, well, is that person who's so difficult, you know? What are they going to say today? What position are they going to put me in? It just feels really difficult or awkward. And we spend time not sleeping. We spend time worrying. Our weekends disappear into fear of Monday. I guess a lot of us know that or have known that. What if the peace comes on us? What if our heart is stilled so I do sleep and my weekend isn't filled with worry? Maybe it doesn't matter that the person's still there. Now, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of circumstances which we'd love to go away, and so would God. You know, he'd be interested in changing the circumstance. But whatever the circumstance, often 
the anxiousness and the fear that goes with it is the thing that we need rid of first. And the peace is guaranteed to guard our hearts and minds. And actually, if we look really closely at the passage, that's just the warm-up act. It's just the warm-up act, the peace of God. Because verse 9 says the God of peace himself will be with us. The Lord is near, says verse 5. The Lord is near. And the truth that Paul, in writing this passage, wants to lead the Philippians into and wants to lead us into is that this is the greatest provision. Jesus saying, you know, how much more will God the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the greatest provision. What of ultimate significance can touch us if God is here, if he's here? The peace is the warm-up act. The main show is the God of peace given to us. So what's our route into this? What does the passage tell us? Well, there's a couple of key words to start with. The first is rejoice. So rejoice, verse 4, in the Lord always. The second I would pick out is think. So in verse 8 it says, think about such things. That which is excellent and praiseworthy. Think on those things. And these words, both of them, are essentially about confession. They're about speaking out or engaging with what is true, and in particular, what is true of God. Confessing his brilliance, his lordship. And in the personal sense, his brilliance and lordship in our situation. He has it in hand, whatever it is. But there's another word too, which you'll perhaps have spotted there in the middle, right in the middle of the passage, the middle of a sentence even. It says, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. It doesn't though, does it? It says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. As we come with our petitions, the call is to thankfulness. And folks, this is key. It's a really central principle here. It is the crack in the doorway that leads to a better way of life. It is our next act. And you can see how they lead into each other. You know, you make the choice to be thankful. And it starts to feed into praise of God. We start to see what he's doing. We take that risk of saying, well, you know, maybe this is a gift from God. So I'll thank him for it. And then we start to see all sorts of other gifts. And it leads to praise. It leads to us rejoicing in the Lord. Or we start to thank and we realize we're thinking about that which is good and lovely. And it leads us into that wonderful sort of holy 
um, meditation, if you like, where we're purposefully saying, I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to think of the God of loveliness and purity. He who defines all these fabulous words. Not just the superlative of them. He defines these words. What does it mean to be admirable? God defines that word. And you can see how that feeds back in. As we rejoice in the Lord, we start to see more things and think, oh my goodness me, he's up to more than I ever believed. This guy is very active. No wonder he needed a day of rest. And as we think on such things, so thanksgiving starts to pour out of us. It's this kind of, you know, cyclical Venn diagram-y thing going on between these three words. That's a technical term, by the way. Um, write it down, use it in an essay. Um, thanksgiving, this passage reveals to us, is the central starting point to a confession that Jesus is Lord. He's above all. And nothing can stop his purity, his loveliness, all of those things flowing out to us. And the call is for our allegiance. But I mean, in many ways, it's a sort of, you know, there's there's an appeal to uh, self-centeredness in this. (laughs) You know, come and have a better way of life. Come and follow me and receive life to the full. So you get this thing where, you know, sometimes we choose to honor God and out of that comes transformation, change of perspective. You know, it really helps us. And sometimes we're overflowing with thankfulness. And rather than just go, oh, it's nice and enjoy it, we pause to honor God. So let's go a bit more practical. How do we do that? So the thesis this morning is saying Thanksgiving is, the, is a fabulous starting place into a life that confesses Jesus is Lord, that sees that he is, that enjoys the freedoms from knowing that he is right here with us, working for us every moment. Because he's besotted with us. Can't keep his eyes off us. That's nuts, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't look in the mirror and think, why would people look at me? (laughs) Maybe some of you do. (laughs) This is a God who loves to look at us. So three things I'll say. One is a discipline. The injunction in Colossians 3.15 says, just be thankful, straight to the point. Be thankful. Do this. Let us trust God in this. It is a great way to live. Be thankful. Choose to do it. As some have said, the choice to rejoice. Sorry. (laughs) I don't think anyone said that. It just occurred to me that it was amusing. Um, The choice to rejoice. We make the choice, though. We make this choice in light of this truth I've just spoken of. This God who is eyes on us. 
with great love and compassion. One of my favorite passages, actually, is um, Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew 10. And you can look it up later and read it in and around. It's one of these great interactions between Jesus and the disciples where you can add a layer of comedy to it quite easily. You could imagine the ridiculousness of the conversation. So Jesus pipes up and says, five sparrows are sold for two pennies. And the disciples look at each other and go, he's talking about sparrows now, what's up with them? And then he says, you are worth more than many sparrows. And they say to Jesus, yeah, we know. We've, I mean, we figured. I'd have been shocked if you'd said the opposite, to be honest. But of course, actually, he also says something else in there, which is five sparrows are sold for two pennies. They're cheap as chips. Cheaper than chips, probably. In ancient Israel, did they have chips? Wouldn't have thought so. But anyway, they're very cheap. Very cheap sparrows. Yet not one of them falls without the Lord seeing it. Not one of them is forgotten. The parallel passage in Luke uses that phrase. Not one is forgotten. These things that are cheaper than futuristic chips. Not one is forgotten. You are worth so much more. This is how God approaches us. So when we choose to say thank you, it's a choice to believe that Jesus wasn't lying. It's a choice to believe that this is how he approaches us. The passage goes on to say that it talks about the hairs on our head being numbered. And I realize, you know, some of us in the room are presenting less of a challenge to God on that than others. I'm going to try and not look at anyone. Oh, sorry, Andy. Um, God bless you. Your response right now is to say, if you want to use testosterone to grow hair, that's fine by me. Right? That's, sorry. Bless you. You know, he knows the hairs on your head. Can, I mean, can you imagine? We've heard that so often. This is the level of interest that God has in us. I love this passage. So when we choose to thank, it's a choice to believe that about God, first of all. He says, I'm just going to decide to believe it. I'm have the discipline of deciding I believe that this is the way God is approaching us. And I'm going to start thanking him for things that, well, I don't know if they're him or not. And I think in that process we discover an awful lot more than we imagined is God. So a discipline. Put it in some part of the day. Um, we've talked about thankfulness quite a bit in this church uh, over the years uh, in one way or another. One of the things we've started doing is we just say, what are you thankful for today at meals um, before we thank God uh, for the food? If you're really stuck, you just say, I'm really grateful for the food. And sometimes you are really stuck. <laughs> sometimes the day is so catastrophically rubbish, there's no bit of you feels like saying thank you. But you find something uh, to say thank you. For. It's a wonderful discipline. And in that process, we see that transformation, that change of perspective, and God is honored for his activity in our life. That's the first thing. One, it's a discipline. Second thing I would say, give thanks when you feel like it. Give thanks when you feel like it. When the goodness of God seems so apparent. So this morning, we give thanks for Nathan, right? Just look at him, they, you know, emotion bursting out of you as you look at him. You guys, you know, must make you want to cry at times. What a beautiful kid. What a wonderful 
gift from God. So we say thank you, rather than just go, that's very nice, very nice, thank you, and pop off. We take the moment to say, thank you, God, for this gift. I'll tell you a story where that emotion really, other than my three children, where that emotion really um, kind of overpowered me, that sense of God looking after me. Um, I went to visit friends uh, who lived overseas in another country. Um, For my own legal protection, I'm not going to tell you which country it was, um, and I went to stay with him. Uh, uh, he worked for the military, so I was staying on the base with them in their house because that's where they lived. And uh, we had a lovely time together, and we'd go out and do stuff and all the rest of it. And when they were out at one point, I thought, I'll go and get him uh, a present to say thank you. So I walked out of the house uh, and went for a walk. Now, I've got a, you know, I say this somewhat boastfully, but I mean, I've got a pretty good sense of geography. I knew where I was going. We'd been there before. So I walked out uh, and went to get them a present. And I didn't see, I saw no one. I mean, there's no one out at all on the roads. I felt a bit odd walking around. I was like, something happened here. Has it been evacuated? Nobody's told me. But, you know, I walked around. I couldn't find this store at all. It vanished. I don't know if it was invisible, if it had been taken off the planet. I don't know what had gone on. Eventually, I gave up and I went back. Interestingly, my sense of geography seemed to have returned at that point. And I got back, no problem at all, to the house. I said to them later, I said, I'm really sorry. I mean, I did want to get you something. And I went out. Their faces went whiter than, whiter than white. I mean, my goodness me. They said, if anyone had seen you on that road and stopped you, you'd have had to press your ID. If you'd gone into the shop to buy something, you'd have had to have produced ID. And if you didn't... Well, we wouldn't be talking to you now. You'd have been in a cell somewhere. I didn't know they were sneaking me onto the base. I had no idea. But, you know, lack of knowledge is uh, not a defence, is it? So the country will remain anonymous for my own legal protection. But in that moment, my goodness me, I was like, Lord, what did you do for me? (laughs) To this day, I think... I was not seen, and I couldn't find the place. I mean, I could be wrong, but that looks to me like a miraculous work of God, a great gift of love to me. And that's how it felt. I can, you know, I was in Psalm 18 with you are my fortress, my deliverer. I love verse 3. It says, I am saved from my enemies. Actually, it's a friendly country, but, you know, that's what it felt like at the time. And so thanksgiving overflows. So when we feel ourselves in this situation, we don't really necessarily need the transformation or perspective. We got it. But we choose to honor God. So it's a discipline we do when we feel like it. This is not going to surprise you for the third one to say it is a discipline we do when we don't feel like it at all. 1 Thessalonians 5 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. The Greek word for all is best translated all, meaning all. which means all, right? I mean, I, you know, you, you can wheedle around trying to get around that. No, it means all. It really does. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the wisdom to us. One of my heroes, uh, I think, is Betsy Ten Boom. The, the surname will mean something uh, to some of you uh, because of her sister, Corrie Ten Boom, who wrote uh, the books 
that you may have read. Betsy, uh, um, if we're to believe Corrie, was perhaps the more godly connected sister of the two. Uh, and the background is that they were, um, during the Second World War, they were hiding Jews for their own safety. And they were ultimately caught and arrested for that. And through various um, cells and camps, they ended up at Ravensbrück concentration camp, which could define hell, really, on earth. And when they got into their dormitory, packed with women, you know, one big massive uh, sort of, you know, bench, bed kind of thing, where they, and then there was another one on top and another one to, you know, this, all these women crammed together. Betsy says, you know, we should be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances. Corrie was less keen. She was like, I mean, hello. We're in a concentration camp. Betsy said, let's do what it says. I think she probably, that mind, had James 1-2 in mind as well. Consider it pure joy when you suffer trials of many kinds. That verse is worse, isn't it? And so they started to say thank you. Corey kind of went for it a little bit. You know, thank you that we're together. Thank you, we weren't searched and we still have our Bible. And then Betsy said, thank you for the fleas. At which point Corey went, hello, no, I am not thanking God for fleas. This is too much. But Betsy was determined and she thanked God for the fleas. It was a long time before they saw the blessing in it. And that was that the guards would never come in to the dormitory. They got pushed around for the whole day and worse. But at night, they would never come in because they were afraid of catching the fleas. And so they were given a moment of rest. And they were able to share with the women around them from the Bible that had never been found some of the great truths and to take them into that place of giving thanks in all circumstances. The choice to honour, it's the other way around now, isn't it? The choice to honour God leads to a change in perspective, a transformation in how we see the world. Thanksgiving, folks, is the crack in the doorway to a better way of life, where we see God for who he is, where we see him for who he is to us. He's desperately active every moment of every day. He is Lord of the circumstance we surround, you know, surrounding us. So as we go into today, into this week, may you present your requests to God, your petitions with thanksgiving and receive the mind-blowing, heart-stilling peace of God. May you receive God himself the Lord who is near. As we go into this day and this week, may you confess Jesus is Lord. May you confess.